gentlemen welcome to another episode of bobcast with you as always this bob live in the lounge staring at the ouija board um tonight's guest i met shortly i guess it was like uh maybe in april he came on uh facebook and helped me out with a performance one of the top of the worlds we were doing when everybody was uh unsure of like what was next unsure of reality and musicians were banding together to um basically you know entertain people because we were going to be stuck at home for a while. And it looks like we might be stuck at home again. Uh, we're going to find out probably within the next 24 hours if there's going to be another uh, two-week quarantine. But what I really liked about tonight's guest was his versatility as far as music goes. I, I didn't even realize that um, he knows a lot of people that I know. Um, but like what I was really taken back by by his performance was his, um, I guess, you know, like I'm a really – big fan of practice you know and like I, I i can i love being in a band that likes to rehearse and i love like when somebody like gets up in front of people and they're performing and you can tell that they've they've taken the time to do their work and they also make straight up eye contact with the camera every time i see tonight's guest he's staring down the lens and i can feel him sucking into my, my soul is like coming into the screen because I don't think he blinks, and I think he's using techniques that um, some filmmakers use in the 70s. But hey, we'll get to that later in the show. Uh, and also, too, since the pandemic has begun, um, I'm not sure how many weeks in a row he's done this, but he does this thing called Ween Wednesday. And um, Ween Wednesday is, you know, the band Ween, and he does a collection of cover songs. And the thing that I noticed about these songs are they are really well-written, put-together songs. Now, Ween is like that band that... Um, how do I put this? Ween is like that restaurant I never got a chance to go to in the 90s or early 1000s. I always wanted to go. I always wanted to go eat there. And then, you know, like, as I start listening to tonight's guests perform those songs, I was like, you know, maybe I'll get into this band because of him. So with that being said, please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Joshua Stein. How are you, sir? How you doing, man? Doing well. Thanks for coming into the digital lounge. Um, like I said, uh, you know, you're really well rehearsed and you understand the power of eye contact. Has anyone ever told you that before? No, no, no one has ever told me that before. Actually. Um, I, uh, I, I definitely think that it's one of the most important things, uh, when you're performing or, or talking to people just in everyday life. Um, eye contact is a very important thing, but, uh, I, I never, I don't know. Sometimes I do feel like I'm looking at my lyrics too much and I'm not making enough eye contact, but like, you know, you got to pepper in the songs that I, I, that, that you don't have to look at the lyrics for. And, um, uh, it, it makes it a lot easier. Cause then I can just like really, you know, make love to the camera as they say. Yeah. As I am like searching to see, <laughs> not looking at you as I'm looking to plug in my power cord, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, it's amazing that, uh, I mean, time is really, it, it I can't believe that it's November and like, you know, what was that? Like maybe March or April, we start doing those top of the world things. Oh yeah. And um, you've done quite a lot of online performances. I mean, like not just, uh, you know, the Ween Wednesday stuff, but you also accompany musicians in the local area. You're not just a guitarist too, you're a drummer. And um, I found out um, a couple 
I guess the one fact that you also performed some of the songs that I knew when Judah came in assassination. You played at the um, the Philadelphia Freedom Fest or something. Yeah, Wawa yeah. Hoagie, right? <clears throat> yeah, um, Judah. Judah hit me up. Um, I guess it was it was last July Fourth in two thousand nineteen, um, and uh, he was performing and he he asked me to play that gig with him. And like I definitely heard a bunch of Judah's music just like through you know the local scene and a lot of my friends who knew him and uh, and you know his social media and, and everything and um, he's awesome and I was so so happy to get that gig man like playing on that stage like on the Parkway um, yeah that that was super cool Judah Kim is the man he's, uh, so, he's got some good stuff so two things on that one you you know the song um, why don't you shake your beautiful thing and that weird drum thing right you know what i'm talking about like, i love that i love yeah. that i remember when i was yeah. listening to that learning that and i was like oh man love that tune we're gonna rock the heck when out we of were that. like when drew did like showed me that song like one of the things he told me like right off the bat he's like the drums have to be, it's the most important thing that the drum has to be like this and i'm like i i get it dude you know but um it took like with the drummers we had before it took some work for them to get that feeling because when you listen to it you think it's just simple but it's you know it's got a little something to it the second thing i played that stage i guess the summer before you and um i was with judah kim then and uh i, I uh it, it was like the classic like you know spinal tap scenario gig you show up to the gig they tell you don't bring a bass amp they're gonna have a bass amp there for you it's gonna be great i show up it's like 100 degrees you know everybody's sweating and the sound system is like at like 22 on the, like the main volume like we're talking cranked all the way up dude like crank and then like i literally hear the bass amp crack like right in front of me you know and they're like well you're up next and i'm like what are we gonna do and they're like well you're gonna, we're gonna plug you in di and uh for bass players out there uh you know exactly what i'm talking about playing di it's like playing like you know uh like you got like a couple lines of dental floss and you're running around the house with it nothing's resonating nothing's doing anything you're not catching anything you know like uh and i i was so upset like to perform for a half hour on that stage oh, and geez. then um i left like afterwards i told everybody that i was like i'm going back to my family i gotta get like a leave but um i've had a handful of good gigs and i've had a handful of bad gigs what I'm not interested in is the good gigs. I'm interested in the bad gigs because uh, oh, yeah. they're always a better story. So can you share with me on the podcast your worst gig? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> you asked me earlier today, is there any questions that I prep? And I swear to you that that question was not prepared in advance. I just came up with it right now thinking That's about cool. myself on that stage with that <laughs> DI oh, weird man. sound. That's That's a good question. I mean... You know, I, I I've played with so many different bands and, and so many. I, I'm trying to think of like, because you know, when when you when you play in different situations and you, and you have a limited amount of time to learn the material, sometimes and uh, you come into it and afterwards you're like beating yourself up over it and it's just like, man, you know that that could have been a lot better. I can tell you, um, <clears throat> so. The, the first gig of 2019, um, it was in January of 2000, or 2019, January 5th. Uh, I, I filled in, I actually got the opportunity to play with um, the Led Zeppelin tribute band, Get the Lead Out. Um, <clears throat> and we played at uh, Ram's Head Live in Baltimore. And I was, I didn't know what the hell I was getting myself into, man. Like I, I was, I'm friends with um, the bass player, uh, Phil, and, and he got me the gig and 
I got the audition. It was awesome. But then when the gig came, I was like shitting my pants, man. Like I, I was so freaked out and everything. And I was, I just wanted to do the right thing each time. And like the very beginning of the show, I messed up the intro and like, it was literally just like half a measure thing, but like, man, to be in that situation and to mess something up like that and to have it not really affect the overall like outcome of the gig, but like to just, I'm, I'll never forget about that. And that was one of my worst gig experiences. There's nothing quite like that. Um, that's that cold sweat on stage that, that like, Oh my God, did I really like, I actually uh, had that moment too. Uh, did you ever like mess up like you know during the like the live set and in your mind you're like I can't believe I did that and then you watch a video later and you're like I, my mind must have reacted differently towards like what was actually on tape I mean like I messed up on uh, Radio 104.5 the baseline to um, Space Hog in the meantime oh my and uh, I had practiced it so many times like I'm talking you know, it, it's a complicated line and it's like, it's like, uh, I just, I flubbed this one note and I flubbed it probably within the first, like maybe four measures. And I couldn't stop thinking about that note the whole oh, time. Man. Went back and listened to it. And here it turns out it was just an open E rather than it, 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 it was, it didn't sound bad, but yeah, there's moments though where you're like, Oh my God, did I really just do that? Also too, by the way, uh, I've only been to it once, but I went to see, um, the dead weather uh, in like 2011 at Graham's head. And that place is like, it's like the Thunderdome electric factory is what I remember from it. It's, it's definitely correctly. like a better version of the electric factory. Yeah. yeah. And like, it had like so many different places to actually watch the performance, but yeah, I miss, uh, I was just talking about it like last week on the show. Like I miss going out and, and seeing bands. Like I, I know Dude, it's a, you know, definitely. like it's, for me it was like you know i had a kid my son's four and like i there's so many weekends where like somebody was like bob come check me out at the great room i'm like uh, i'll be there you know what i mean and i didn't go and now i'm just like what did i do you know what i mean like because now i'm just like i just missed i missed like being around people and like uh i like i miss like you know like just being in a room where music is happening you know and it's Dude, like definitely the live stuff is just I mean, the Facebook stuff and the Instagram stuff, it's a nice little filler, but it's not the main course. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was just thinking that the other day, how like uh, there, there's a local bar in uh, Havertown that I really like when I first came onto like this Philly music scene, I, I started playing there first. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a little, it's McGillicuddy's, it's JD McGillicuddy's in Havertown. And like, it's like a local bar. A lot of townies go there all the time. Like, there's no stage. You kind of like move the, the tables out of the way and you set up everything like wherever you want to. And like, it's just, it feels like a catcher's mitt, you know? And like, man, what I wouldn't give to just like play a show there in front of like a bunch of townies getting drunk and like they could even scream at me or like knock over a mic stand. Like, I hate when people do. I don't give a shit. I want that right now. No. <laughs> Koopa, Koopa Loop was on the show a couple weeks back and we were talking yeah, about too. how um, we were talking about how like uh, you know he's have like the one guy come up to you like in the, like after sending like dude you man you you rock man you you know and like you know just like won't, won't leave you alone like I miss those guys too you know like uh, I just in general uh, think that when music returns people need to rectify the past and come to an understanding that 
it's a privilege to hear music and you shouldn't be watching a band while, you know, also watching the Phillies or Flyers game on TV. Like I really think that music, you know, now you see what it does to people, you know, yeah. live, you know, and like, I just hope people, you know, realize that. And I also, I'm, I'm scared right now that like, uh, as we record this, it's Thursday, November 12th. I, I just had this funny feeling. I mean, they're, they may shut down schools next tomorrow. We'll find out they shut down schools for two weeks. And that's also what they said back in March. And like we'll just be done for two weeks and then it was like we're in for the next like three four months and like god knows but i'm not doing any more of those on my festivals <laughs> i'm not doing it and yeah. I, I, no i'm done like they were uh, fun, man they were fun but you know what the thing was it was just like it's not i mean it was a good good time then but it's like i don't want to do that i want to do like you know like a top of the world type thing or like something like where it's like a outdoor festival with people I mean, they're fun to do, but like the marathon one, I think we did one that was like 11 o'clock or like one in the morning. I was so tired the next day just from staring at a computer screen and people were like, how, how do I connect? But uh, it was a fun experiment without a doubt. And like, you know, if that has to be the norm, I, I just, you know, it doesn't help the musician really too. Cause it's like, as you know, cause you're a drummer and like, um, I firmly believe this without a doubt that that's the most important spot in the whole band. That if the drummer is not, driving the beat and like keeping time and like not rushing like rushing all the things but like you know when you like play a show and you're in a room say for instance with jd mcgillicuddy's and everybody's drunk on jameson and like that vibe is in the room you're going to play the song differently because of their energy their energy like comes into your body and like, i mean definitely dude the audience energy is almost everything like especially when you're playing in a tiny place like that yeah and it's like it's it's insane that like um i don't know if the audience i mean audience members who are non-music like musically inclined to have any idea how much it means to the, like you know the performer to actually engage them you know yeah like you know like did you ever see like when the bubble like one thing that drove me nuts in, in bands like for years like playing you know, like a club and like there's like this bubble in front of the stage where everyone's like scared to just walk 10 feet you know we have all these rules in place in society and there's 10 feet that has no tape that nobody wants to walk over and uh, I always used to encourage people like, yeah, step forward. You know what I mean? Because yeah, like, as soon as the first person comes closer, everyone feels a lot more comfortable to just like come in. Yeah, and it's like it's like all it's like almost like as soon as you say that, it's like an episode of Sesame Place plays, and everyone's like, let's do it. You know, like, <laughs> it's like they all like just like come right in line and uh, get ready for what's next. Um, yeah, man. So like, drums. Um, I I start playing bass when I was like uh, 19 years old and I played bass until I guess I would kind of still play it but uh, it was my main gig for a long time and then maybe about four or five years ago a science teacher at the school I was teaching at was like hey Bob you want a drum set and I was like yes I do I really 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 do you know and um, so I got the drum set and um, from then I just taught myself by listening you know to my favorite tracks um, through headphones and I really wish in hindsight, but that was the instrument I picked up first because it is so much fun to channel. Like you can channel so much into a drum set, whereas I don't feel like you can get that much energy out with four strings on a guitar. Maybe an electric guitar, so like Eddie Van Halen on cocaine or something like that. But I mean, the drums are very special to me, and um, I was just curious, just because you're also a drum teacher, who your fa your favorite teacher is, or excuse me, drummer. Um, so I, I started playing drums when I was like 10. Um, and my, 
my main influence at that time was uh, Carter Beaufort from the Dave Matthews Band. He uh, he was it for me. Like my that was my first like well not not my first favorite band but like my first like band obsession. And I got into them when I was in like fourth grade, I think near the end of fourth grade and fifth grade. And Carter Beaufort was my he is my freaking guy like mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, but as I got older, um, you know, my, my taste expanded a little bit and Carter is still in my like top 10, top five, probably. Uh, but my number one is John Bonham, uh, from Led Zeppelin. We could talk uh, about both things, uh, in detail here. One, um, did you, I, I'm not sure how, how old you would have been, but did you go see Dave Matthews when they played the veteran stadium gig with Santana and the roots? Oh yeah. I saw them twice out of the three nights. Okay, so you were there. So I was there too, and oh, nice. uh, I never forget that show. Like for the rest, of, like the, first off, first off, for people out there who don't, um, if you're listening from outside Philadelphia, the, uh, the Veteran Stadium was like the old school f- f- football stadium, and it looked like a Roman Coliseum. There wasn't really, you know, that much like you know flash to it. And uh, they must have oversold tickets because I never forget like walking in from the tailgate and just people were just pissing everywhere. There was just guys just like they couldn't even get in the bathroom. They were just pissing everywhere, and like you know, I definitely they, don't know if I remember that. Oh, uh, it was so dr- I was so drunk, and then like I remember uh, they had like chairs on the uh, yeah they had chairs on the field, and like when we got to our chairs, somebody was in our chairs. There was like an argument, whatever. But oh my god, Zeppelin though, um, also to a big fan. I think that my senior year of high school, every single morning we listened to Good Times, Bad Times on the way in with a couple uh, other added elements to help us get through the day. But that's right. Led Zeppelin, um, Led Zeppelin has, I, I was just listening to, uh, what's the name of that podcast? Uh, Deceased Land, I think it's called. The they talk a, it's called Deceased Land. And okay. they talk, I think that's the name of it, but uh, they're not paying me. So whatever. Um, but they're talking about Zeppelin and like talking about like how, like, you know, basically Led Zeppelin is like one of the most profound bands, you know, in the entire world. And Jimmy Page was just basically taking blues riffs and like putting his own spin on it. You know what I mean? In some cases, actually taking lines very similar. And I believe there was a lawsuit that just got cleared up a few years ago. But Was that the one with Spirit? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I got a chance to see Page and Plant in 1999. Uh, oh. at the, um, I think it was called the Wachovia Center then, the Wells Fargo Center. Yeah. And I sat behind the stage. Like they, it was like they sold every single seat out. So like they're like, you want to sit behind the band, go ahead. But from my perspective, it looked like nineteen like seventy. Like I was just looking at them from the back. So it was just, you know, like their hair. You know what I mean? And I I just still doesn't even matter, man. You saw rock royalty. Ah, oh, so good too. You know, and like I I never forget like when they played the the Wanton song with the, the, mm. like all the hairs went up on my body, and then they did the ocean, and it was just beautiful. You know, but what a great band to do like the Seinfeld thing in a way to be like, look, I know you really want us to tour this summer, but we're not, we're just going to do Atlantic records anniversary thing and put out an album and that's it. You know, like, so wait, so who else was on that tour? Was it, was it John Paul Jones on bass? No, no, no. So, so interestingly enough that no, that was just page and plant. And that was the second tour they did after um, they did the unplug show. So they did the unplug show once when they toured and then they did another tour, I believe from what my memory serves uh, going back before the internet but i forget who's in that band but then uh maybe four or five years later i saw at the tla john paul jones 
solo. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't sold out. It was at the Theater of Living Arts, by the way. I don't know if I said that, but uh, like, in like the, the TLA, you know how like you can just get right up there to the stage. So I was like right there, like just watching this guy, and like, you know, he's so unassuming. You know, he's a gentleman. You know, and like, he's performing his um, solo material for the time, and he just read the room, and he's just like, you don't want to hear this shit, do you? And like he just ripped into like a Led Zeppelin song, and the audience went nuts, and like you know he was just like. Yeah. of course yeah it's great that's so awesome man. but yeah man there's their music is so so good that like i don't think there's another band that's like led zeppelin at all i mean you maybe some people could say like oh like cream or you know what i mean but like i mean Zeppelin's from, really from yeah, that yeah. era you know like like cream was i guess a little more psychedelic rock but like you know then then you bring up like greta van fleet and yeah. and those newer cats that are trying to sound like them um but yeah, you're right, man. I mean, it's just, it's, it's riff rock. And like when I was growing up, like I, I listened, I, I was really, really big into uh, Rage Against the Machine. Oh, same. Um, like my, my dad actually played me their first album when I was like eight or nine or something. And I was like, who the hell are these guys? This is ridiculous. And it's, and they, I kind of compare to as like, the modern day led zeppelin because you know they're i mean they were like obviously political and zeppelin's not really like you know in in that realm but like they're riff rock and they're heavy and i think that uh technique wise they're different but the drummers i mean john bonham and brad wilk for um raising mm -hmm. a machine very similar styles like heavy heavy grooves can also though fly off the handle if they need to go really really quick with the technique shit um it's yeah did you ever get a chance to see rage i did did you see them like uh in the thousands or was it during I, the... I, yeah i saw them in 2007 um at the rock the bells festival at, oh um, i know that one randall's island um I I was in I was at Berkeley uh, in Boston at the time and I uh, took a bus down with some friends. We were just like, "Yo, Rage is getting back together. We gotta get tickets." Ordered tickets, took the bus down, had one of the greatest times ever. I mean, they they're they're insane. Like, yeah, I agree, hundred percent. I can't uh, say enough about how much I love. Well, they were correct me if I'm wrong because the you know the brainwash of the quarantine. But weren't they supposed to tour this summer? They were supposed. Yeah, they to were. They, yeah, right. I remember like seeing the announcement and being like, "Oh my god, I'll yeah, spend." They were, they I used to spend like thousands. Like you know, if there was a concert like that, I'd I spend a couple. You know, just oh, like dude, I would drop mad money for that. Yeah, ticket, dude. just click the button. Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> all right, Ticketmaster, take it. Definitely, just take my goddamn money. But yeah, I, I that's awesome that your dad played that for you because I never forget hearing Bomb Track for the first time and the way that the bass like played off like you know the sticks and like just that noise like i was just like oh my god like and especially at that time to hear something like that like everybody was just pissed off man everybody was so i mean cobain you know committed suicide and it just like there's a lot of people who just weren't able to to deal with emotions and then we also were dealing with people being incarcerated in the early 90s for like a bag of like you know weed and like people were just pissed off and it was nice to have them as an outlet to to know that music could also and i, I mean one of my favorite stories of all time too and if you don't know this listeners out there you can google it when they were invited rage against the machine to i believe 94 Lollapalooza in philadelphia they didn't play 
they just got up on the stage and they had a PRMC, which I believe was the parental code for the parental advisory lyrics were coming out at the time. And they stood there nude on stage with their, their manhoods. And, yeah. Yeah. And they just stood there and got food. Oh my God. Have you ever done a deep dive, Josh, and uh, looked on YouTube for Rage's first show in LA at that little, like, uh, if you, if you go on uh, YouTube, Rage Against Machine early show or something, they're underneath fan shell and like a, Echo Park type thing. And they're, they're babies, and it's awesome. That's so cool. You also, I believe, share an interest in one of my all-time favorite groups, LCD Sound System. Is that correct? I really like them. Um, so I didn't get into them about until about, like, I don't know, five years ago-ish. Um, mm-hmm. From that, from their song "Dance Yourself Clean," like that, that song had a, a, a huge impact on my life at the time, and because of that, I was just like, "Oh well, I gotta check these guys out more." And I love them. Like I, I listen to them a lot. They're on like my run playlist. Um, they're they just they're like they're, they're the modern day Talking Heads, as far as I'm concerned, with like a little bit more, uh, I don't know, a little bit more like house. You know, something there, yeah. Style. Yeah, that song too. That dance yourself clean song. Uh, my wife and I used to come home from the bars before we had a kid, piss drunk, and turn that shit all the way up in the music room and just dance to it. You know, because yes. it's, it's got one of the best drops. Like I think it may be the best drop. It, it, I think it is. Because if you allow yourself to be submerged with lyrics long enough for that drop to happen, if you never heard the song, guess what? Tonight's your day. You know, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna thank Josh and me for opening your eyes to this whole new world of LCD sound so system. Good. I love the fact that, uh, you know, James, James Murphy has his own style. And um, I love the fact too, that he didn't achieve success until later in life. Um, and then they broke up for some reason, and then got back together. Bands shouldn't break up, man. Just don't do it. Then you got to like go through the whole thing of, well, I guess we'll get back together because the yeah. money's good, you know. Like you gotta call don't it do an it. indefinite hiatus. Like that's, yeah. you know, well, just, and... just don't put anything out and don't say anything. Why do you got to tell everybody? I like when there's like mystique in a band too. Like, I don't like when it's like, okay, this is who we are. Like case in point, like Greta Van Fleet. When I first heard it, I was like, oh, this is interesting that they're actually doing something. Let me see what they look like on stage. Are they carrying it? And like, I, I watched them on stage and like right there in that moment, I shouldn't say that, uh, I guess I, I should say they sullied my interest level just because the lead singer just stands there. He just stands there. I saw them on Saturday Night Live. It looked like they were like deer in headlights. You know what I mean? Like you got to move. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, I mean, definitely the live performance. You, you know, half of it is the energy that you're oozing off of stage. You, you have to get yes. that. You know? um, speaking of, uh, I don't know if you caught it. He's been on uh, my show two times uh, back in 2014 when Lazaretto first came out. But uh, are you familiar with Daru Jones? I love Daru Jones. Oh, you know. Oh, sweet. So, so he, he'd been on the show before, which is, was, it was a blessing back in the day. I was like, I can't believe you. This is when I first started the podcast. He's like, yeah, come on, be yeah, come on. I was like, yes, dude. He's going to come back on uh, uh, the next couple of weeks, I think, to talk about like, his success and talk to me about that story because his performance on Saturday Night Live was just – I, I was blown away by um, both – like Jack White and I have a – like I – Saw the White Stripes, Madison Square Garden, went to Maryland to see the dead weather. You know, and he, he hates Philadelphia. He doesn't come to Philadelphia ever. And he's Jack. Jack White has a video on YouTube where he plays the North Star, I believe, in 2000, maybe. And he gets into this little tirade with the audience where he's talking about, like, uh, 
he, he's like saying like with like uh what's this called again i forget what the quotation marks i guess like can't your cities your, your city's just got such great record stores and everybody's so friendly and the city of it's like all this like hostility right and he's never toured back here again and i honestly just got sick of that shit dude after a while i was just like i'm not gonna go like follow him no more and then he comes on Saturday Night Live like a month ago and just blows my goddamn mind. And now I'm right back in there with him, you know, like that performance was unbelievable. Yeah, dude. The Liza Redder thing that like the way he hits the drums, also too, like for people who aren't familiar with him, he sets his drums up almost like it's like a landslide, which is an amazing feat. Well, it's almost like kind of like he's incorporating the uh paint bucket type, like you know, street performer like element to it. But um, he also has his own line of uh, drums and he has interesting type hi-hat sounds that he uh, messes with. And he does lots of like, um, I guess like, uh, like Nam type, like, you know, shows where like he demos his stuff. But God damn, dude, the way he, I, he played at Madison Square Garden when I saw them and he was wonderful there. They reunited with Tribe Called Quest that night, which was, which was insane. Like Q-Tip came on stage with Jack White and did some Tribe, which is, you know, that really wasn't with tribe so there was no reunion i've been up six it's been a long day <laughs> but um so like what projects are you working on right now i know that uh emily drinker and yourself you guys are you're teaching her how to play drums i saw on the live feed right <laughs> yeah yeah i've been uh i've been giving her lessons um kind of uh i guess you know throughout the, the quarantine you know we uh moved into um for, before we got this place we were at my parents house for like a few months over the summer um and we had like the drum set set up and everything she's like yeah she thought i really learned how to play drums and i was like yeah absolutely let's do this so and then we continued the lessons the other day uh actually what's today thursday yeah so yesterday on wednesday and then she played on that on the one of the stallion songs yesterday for me on wednesday and that was awesome um, but yeah, so I've been teaching her drums. She's uh, definitely been killing that. Um, and one of these days, she's going to teach me some ukulele. Um, I'm uh, very interested in learning that. I think it would be funny to see the uh, big guy playing the tiny little guitar. It's fun to, to learn new things. During quarantine, I learned how to play the piano. I never um, knew how to do it. I mean, I knew like a couple like them belly full but them hungry like type rips yeah. and shit like that you know what i mean but i never like knew how to process just because of like a lifetime of going like this to this is just like a weird thing you know but once it's you get totally it different. it's amazing too like when you start to learn different instruments how you can see how they all tie together like for me like i didn't i didn't anticipate how percussive a piano could be you know like i always took it as just the piano but i mean if you're a good piano player you want it to be you know ray charles type sounding you know um, I find that, you know, like a lot of people tend to stop learning. They, they, they get to a certain age and like, well, that's it for me. I'm done. Uh, no need for any more input, you know, like they just don't want anything else. And I, I'm kind of like the quite the opposite, you know, it's like, why do I have to not go to school? I've got YouTube, you know what I mean? You could learn anything on YouTube. Yeah, you really can. What's your favorite deep dive on YouTube? Jeez. Um, what have I done recently? I um don't say World Star fights. Oh my god. <laughs> no. Um I um I've been checking out different drummers actually. Like when when I when I go like deep I just like go from drummer to drummer to drummer and I get like you know the 
any drummer that shouts out another drummer or something, I'll check them out. And uh, it's especially cool, like when they don't have a whole lot of followers. And I like seeing uh, uh, the up and coming, you know, performers and stuff. And then like getting into like rudiment uh, videos, where like you know, there's there the, 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 these things called hybrid rudiments. Um, there's the yeah. 26 American rudiments and the 40 international rudiments, and then there's a slew of hybrid rudiments and i've recently been going down the crazy rabbit hole of like trying to learn all of these ridiculous rudiments um you know that's that's my nerdy answer of just like that's exactly that's exactly what i was looking for um one of the things that uh i was doing a dive on your instagram before we start doing the podcast and i noticed that you were incorporating quarantine aesthetics way back in 2018 by doing band of stein steins i believe you oh, were doing yeah, yeah, yeah. so you were doing that way before anybody right so like basically you were playing all the instruments and covering some of your favorite tunes it was fun like when i when i discovered this uh, app called acapella um and uh i i found out how easy it was to just like hit the button record if you mess up you can hit delete and they're like are you sure boom done start <laughs> it's like so easy i'm like all right i i can do this for like a minute each and uh, i'm like i know enough guitar bass drums vocal to do these songs i just do a bunch of them i haven't done one in a while uh i i i think i started doing them like five years ago four years ago maybe um and it is it is a I mean, it's a lot of fun. I got better and better. It, it, it's really, really good um, for practicing. Uh, if if you play, if you try to dabble in every instrument, it's insanely good for your tempo and your tone and everything um, to play with your. I mean, to play with yourself. Um, yeah. You like, you know, have uh, uh, you, you start to understand what your timing is on every instrument because you're listening to yourself and then you're trying to play to that and it's amazing um so i, just, I do know what you mean about that i mean there's a there's a, a i would say like this like tiny difference between the timing on drums and bass in a way like this oh, tiny yeah. like i don't even know how to describe it because i've never really vocalized it before but it's like i find that the drums is more direct and the bass is more okay let me let me like give you a hug. You know what I mean? Like, come here, come to me. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a great analogy. Absolutely. You know, it's a weird feeling too. And like I feel like the guitar like has always been like this like uh, it's like the guy that shows up to the party and he's got red and white and you're not sure what you want to drink and he's just like you can't make a decision about it. <laughs> Uh, I like that analogy. There's a lot of guitar players that are like that, where they're just like, "Well, I don't know what pedal is going to work on this one, and I don't know if we're going to be able to get this song out." You know, but I find it interesting uh, to work with uh, both types of musicians—the ones who are um, like, like brilliant with effects, and then the ones who refuse to use any and just go out of like their you know channel like distortion. Yeah, like man, my same. my old band, Downtown Harvest. Like Larry Thomas Moore hated. Yeah, I used to love you guys. That's oh, great. thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, Tom uh, refused to use any pedals at one point because he spilled beer all over his pedal board and he was like, that's it, it's done, I'm done with it. And it kind of made the sound in a way, I, I, I don't know, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing too, like how much effects have like come along, like, you know, what you can do now, like as far as like recording and stuff like that. Um, I imagine since you, you know, you're like a session player, like, you know, you're doing your thing with many different groups, you've had 
many different experiences in the recording studio. So instead of telling me your worst experience, tell me your best experience in the local area. Best experience in the recording studio, um, or in the in the local, I mean, scene or wherever, maybe. wherever. Um, uh, well, in okay, in in a studio, one of my most fun and and definitely best experiences was um when i was in college uh i was playing with this artist named aaron barra mm -hmm. um who's a keys player and a singer we we met in the bob marley ensemble at berkeley um i started playing reggae that was just the most fun experience ever um and me and her and like three other people from that band she kind of like after we all like stopped playing in the ensemble, she was like, yo guys, I got some songs. I'm going to take all you and we're going to make a band. And she had a lot of really, really good connections in New York. And, um, we wind, we wound up recording her album at this studio that doesn't exist anymore called Chung King studios. Um, where some of, uh, I think, like Lauren Hill's album and uh, the Fugees and a lot of like really, really heavy hip hop albums from the late 80s, early 2000s were recorded. And uh, she um, was like really good friends with one of the engineers there. And she just like rented out a weekend. We just spent three days and two nights at this studio. So ridiculously nice, like at the top floor on, um, like Varick and King Street in oh, wow. Manhattan. Yeah. Um, and uh, like black marble floors and like black leather couches everywhere. And like there was so much room and so many couches that we were just like, yo, we're just going to crash on these couches and just wake up and record some more. Like, mm -hmm. let's just do that. So we all show up and we hang out and like uh, record and crash late at night and like the engineer is literally this guy jamie is like working late night like all night mixing stuff after we record and uh it was just a, it was a very magical experience it was amazing it was like um i think in the summer fall of 2006 or seven around that time don't you don't you find that like when you look back at that decade 2000 to 2010 like when i look back at it i like feel like we were like like pigeons who didn't know how to fly or like, we were just like incapable of like understanding like what really was going we were just like living in like the post haste of backstreet boy like type culture like of you know like consumerism like at its height and like i'm just like oh my god dude like we could have been doing so much more like to get ready for like this fucking pandemic you know like but right. <laughs> we were just like whatever man whatever it's um, all about me trying to live our life man. it's all about me and the snacks it's all i can get that's all i care about you know snacking and watching hbo and you know but i i find that like a lot of those times you know um you know people take time, things for granted but 2006 around that time i i do recall um having this moment where it was like the consumer no longer cared for the cd the consumer was now going into the computer for real, for real to just get all their stuff. And it slowly took over like around there. I remember. Um, and it was this yeah, very so disheartening time where like consumerism just then like they didn't know. And then they, they probably were like, damn it, dude, we should have like teamed up with Napster instead of like, you know, putting them in like 
you know, political prison, like putting them on like, you know, trial or whatever. But I, I find that music still surprises me, even though it's not like what it was when we were kids and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, somebody can drop a new album on a Friday and I have no idea about it and I can be equally as excited, you know? Like if I told you tomorrow Led Zeppelin was coming out with an album, wouldn't like nothing in the world matter? Like you, Absolutely. can you imagine if Led Zeppelin dropped this surprise album on a Friday? <laughs> like what the fuck? You know, like you're absolutely right. It's that would be it. <laughs> I, I imagine you've seen uh, it. Might get loud in here, right? I've seen it like a few so times. I've only seen like bits and pieces of it. Um, I have not seen the whole thing. Um, I I need to get more into that. For some reason, you made me just think of uh, the infamous 1984 Live Aid performance with Phil Collins. Uh, you, you familiar with the, the debacle behind that? I am. I'm, I'm very <laughs> so, familiar with so that. So basically, Phil Collins didn't really, like, he really wanted Led Zeppelin to get back together. If you don't know, they get back together. They basically take the guitar out of the case. It's out of tune or whatever. I mean, they play, and it's a little sloppy. I don't think it's it's not great, but, I mean, it was so bad that the Led Zeppelin didn't want any of the performance to be on any of the dvds or cds that circulated in the years that followed and now recently in the news phil collins his ex-wife i believe is saying that he's become a hermit for the last year and he stinks so bad that nobody wants to go into his house what? and then, yeah yeah i saw i saw like on my phone the other day and i was just like what dude like what world do we live in right oh, now where God. phil collins is living like howard hughes in a mansion down star beach in miami florida like what what's going on with the world where that's happened oh, to geez. Phil. I just but, I just saw him too, like in um, 2018 or something. I think. Oh, you saw um, that tour? He yeah, he, when he played at Wells Fargo, it was like his last tour, and his son was playing drums. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. He seemed pretty, you know. Okay. He seemed like he was like hused out or whatever, no. but I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, like his wife was like, uh, he smells really bad, and he like he doesn't. He's uncat. It's like in, it's all, all over the news. But I mean, oh, I always love Phil Collins, man. You know, I always love. I love all the out there too for Phil Collins. You know, I try not to hate anything, Josh, because it's like if I hate something, why should I tell anybody what I hate? Dude, you know, that's that's a really good mentality. I, mean, I need to live more by that, man. I, it's hard, well, it's, I it's hard because of it's hard because of our culture. Our culture like instills it upon us at an early age. Like you have to choose heads or tails, or you know, Batman or spider-man and you can't be in dc and marvel or you can't like led zeppelin and you can't like the beatles because you know what i mean like it's always like one or the other and it's like yeah but like i i just from being around musicians for so long i you know if somebody says a group that i don't particularly listen to like i think in my head now well maybe i should listen to them you know maybe i should give them a, a try you know but um a lot of times people do that and then the conversation's over you know yeah you know i mean Somebody said to me the other day, all oh, of my favorite bands is The Strokes. And I really wanted to say to them, did you see them on Saturday Night Live? Like two weeks ago, they were like, they look like they were like, like beers and headlights up there. Like what are you guys doing? You know what I mean? Like what are you doing? What are you doing, man? Like, you know, I would love to play that stage, by the way, the Saturday Night Live stage. Oh, I, something, God, something about that live feeling. I've had it before with like the, the radio, like live on air stuff and like, mm -hmm. It's so intoxicating, you know. Like I can't mess up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. I've been watching a lot of Saturday Night Live actually recently. Um, just like you know, archival footage and yeah, uh, old performances and stuff. And there's a lot of great stuff out there. What era right now are you currently? Uh, early two thousands. Will Will Ferrell, like 
heyday, you know, yep. I'm, or I guess late nineties when, all right. Yeah. Early two thousands too. Yeah. Will Ferrell and Molly Shannon. Like, they, oh, yeah. like Amy Poehler. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so they're, good. They're just, they're too good. I listened to, uh, this, my new obsession this week has been smartless. Highly recommend it for the Bobcast listeners out there. It's Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes and Will Arnett's podcast. And, oh, uh, so good dude and their theme song is straight fire it's like the best theme song like please do me a favor josh after this podcast ends tonight, listen to an episode of smartless that they have many great ones but tell me what you think of that theme, the theme song is so good but um they talk about saturday night live and they talk about um uh amy poehler's first show actually was the first show back from after 9-11 which is, I remember that night, you know, like too, I remember man. people, we need to laugh. I, I love Saturday Night Live. And I think it's like, the, it's the one thing in my life. I'm 40 years old now that has not changed at all. Like at all. It's been the same thing for me every Saturday night. And I still feel the same way at 1128 PM. You know, I'm like, I, my wife's like, like, I can't stay up much late anymore get the kid and stuff i used to be a night owl i miss it very much but no matter what on saturday saturday night i will force myself i'll be like doing like this you know like passing out like this and then like have the alarm come on for 11 30 <laughs> but um yeah man this has been the enjoyable experience i'm glad that uh came on the show and um dude thank you for having me man this is a great conversation it was a great time, and I hope that you continue with the Ween Wednesday. Um, full disclosure, I mean, it would have been wonderful, but I did contact uh, their publicist. I contacted the band management, and I tried to get somebody from Ween on the show tonight. They didn't respond to me, but I want you to know I tried for everybody. It would have been great, you know what I mean? Like, I sent, I sent the videos. I was like, look at this kid's dedication, you know what I mean? You guys can't come on the show? But uh, they're, they're in, like, I don't think they're very um, gene. Those guys aren't very uh, internet savvy per se no, but they're, I mean, they're, they're not and gene and dean don't really get along that much anymore um well you, you got me into the band so now i'm like learning like my friend tj was always like bobby you got to come see ween man and oh, like I, yeah. I i always was like in this like uh like i said like I, I'll, I'll get to it you know type thing like i can't wait to get there and then time just escaped me i, I went to see weezer instead of ween you know what i mean yeah. like I, I went with the w-e-e-z instead of the w-e-e-n no, they're weezer's first two albums though untouchable as far as i'm concerned i even like that rentals album i love that oh, rentals yeah, yeah the, i mean that whole era right there i forget that bass player's name though the original bass player from weezer i can't look i'm gonna download it on spotify tonight i love when like i think of shit from like my youth that i haven't heard in like 20 you know 35 years i'm like wait a minute like what <laughs> um anything coming up are you doing any uh um, i know you got the wing thing every every wednesday yeah, I mean, I'm doing Ween every Wednesday. Um, yeah, every now and then, I want to like change it up and be like, you know, I'm gonna do Wilco Wednesday. I I, I freaking love Wilco too. Yeah, they're good fan. But um, stick with it. Dedication is key, man. Dedication. Yeah, I, I'm trying to. Um, yeah, I mean, like I've been doing this since 2013. There's been some weeks where I'm just like, yeah, I don't feel like doing it, but I do it anyway because I really believe there's something about uh, like setting a regiment for yourself. Consistency. Consistency helps like build other things in your life, not Absolutely. just with music, but like with. Uh, I mean, you can even apply it towards like uh, your health, your you know your physical exercise, you know stuff like that. Like I I I have to do certain things every day otherwise they go crazy but definitely stick with it i mean as far as um like are you playing with emily anywhere out live or so, i know you have um, a bunch of different groups 
we actually just recorded a uh, a live performance for um, uh, Lonely Town Festival, which is like uh, the band Wolfpack. Um, oh, yeah. They have a, a, a group on Facebook, or they have like a Facebook group, uh, fan group called the Wolfpack. Okay. And um, they uh, are putting on like a, a live um, or a you know live stream concert thing and. It's a three-day-long event, and Emily is headlining the third day, and we just recorded our set, and I played with her for that. Um, so that's going to be cool. I wish I can tell you what day it is. I think it's the it's the end of this month. Um, we'll probably be inside anyway, so you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, we're we're so going to get – You'll we'll hear about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and tomorrow uh, – not tomorrow, Saturday, I think the 14th, um, I'm going to be playing with uh, Sammy Vile. Um, we're doing a Vile Bread. Um, at the Mummers Museum, um, some sort of uh, festival. There's gonna be like a few different bands, outdoor thing, um, and uh, hopefully it'll be you know nice enough for us to do that. Nice, um, Sammy Vile. Shout out! I uh, always uh, enjoyed your videos. Uh, I don't think you've made one recently, but I yeah, would like to see a return to form, Sammy. So you got a fan here in Bob. Um, yeah, it's been uh, great to chat. Uh, proper, you know, and to uh, get to know you a little bit better. I look forward to perhaps one day jamming, uh, like they say back in the day, you know, on the bass, slap of the bass. <laughs> I remember, I want to see that movie on opening day, dude, because I was so in love with those guys. I was just like, and I never forget, there's nobody in the movie theater. Not one soul in the movie theater for I Love opening You. Opening day for that movie? Not one, just me sitting there with like a small popcorn, a small Coke, and I'm just sitting there like thinking like, this is the best thing ever. It's got Lou Ferrigno in it. Rush, you know, and uh, that one segment that always sticks out to me. But uh, love those guys, man. Yeah. Uh, I wish you the best, you know, uh, yes, as far as 2020 goes, you know, continuing on with, uh, you know, how music will be perceived uh, post-vaccination. And I can't wait to see you perform live. And uh, I wish the best for you. Thanks, man. You as well. My name is Bob, and this has been another episode of Bobcast. <laughs>